edition of the Boilers Extra podcast at JC Online and through SoundCloud. Mike Carmen uh, recapping the 29 point win over Virginia by the uh, Boilermakers tonight. Really, it felt like a 29 point game most of the, most of the way. It really did. It, it was lopsided. Uh, it helps when you come out and hit some three pointers, which I thought they needed to do against that defense to soften them up and. Sasha Stefanovic did it. Matt Painter changed his lineup, went with the bigs, with uh, Travion Williams and Matt Harms, uh, inserted uh, Stefanovic in there, uh, brought uh, Nojo Eastern and Aaron Wheeler off the bench. Both those guys have been struggling uh, from an offensive standpoint. And, uh, you know, Wheeler came out and hit a three, and then uh, Eastern scored his first basket since the Jacksonville State game. But, you know, the story was the quick start by Stefanovic. Uh, three three-pointers in the first three minutes. Nice hustle play also to get a steal. And really from that point on, uh, Purdue was in control. Jihad Proctor um, scored seven straight points during one stretch during a 12-0 run. That really opened up the game. And, um, and Stefanovic came out in the second half, hit a three-pointer. Uh, you know, Virginia made some plays uh, in the second half to crawl a little bit closer, but uh, in reality, Purdue was was in control from the start, um, and they played like it. Uh, the defense was solid. They rebounded well. They, they, they took care of the ball. I, I believe it's only six turnovers. I don't have the stat sheet in front of me because uh, I'm driving. And uh, Virginia had 16 turnovers. Uh, so, I mean, there were a lot of things that went right for Purdue. This was... You know, one of those situations where it just kind of all lined up. It's not going to happen that way every night, and we've we've seen it happen a different way. Uh, and I think playing a different kind of team probably helped Purdue a little bit more of a half-court team uh, that that plays really good defense, but they don't play defense like Florida State and, and VCU, where they're they're up in your grill, they're up in your shorts a whole lot from from baseline to baseline. And they maybe get you going a little bit faster than what you want to. And you get caught up in that type of game. Uh, a little ragged uh, where turnovers happen and fast break layups happen. And uh, you just never really settled in. You know, Purdue was able to run its sets tonight. And, and they did it very well. And, you know, I think that Virginia paid a lot of attention to uh, Purdue's big guys with Williams and harms and cheated more to the lane and that left uh, some guys open on the perimeter on the wings with Stefanovic, Eric Hunter uh, hit some threes you know Jihad Proctor you know shot the ball well it just you know and I, I think it just kind of built and it you had a snowball effect there you're playing at home it, it you know it was built as a rematch of uh, the Elite Eight game even though it's not a, a true rematch because both teams are different um and you know it just kind of it went from there and it's one of those games where you know maybe purdue was due to have a breakout game like that after some of the struggles uh, against the quality competition they had faced you know they couldn't close out the texas game uh even though they led by five with three minutes ago had some turnovers down the stretch that uh you know, allow the Longhorns to stay in it. You get a big, big lead at Marquette, 18 points. Uh, then things just kind of go crazy, and you, you can't do anything in the second half. And 
Marquette climbs back into it, and all of a sudden they win by 10. Uh, you, you go play VCU, a game that you, you turned the ball over a lot. You know, they did too. Uh, but Purdue found a way to win that game as, as ugly uh, as it was. Uh, they found a way to make some plays down the stretch, hit some free throws, uh, and pull that one out. Then the Florida State game, again, a lot of turnovers, 24 turnovers in that game. Uh, and Purdue, uh, you know, just could not get out of its own way. Florida State did a good job defensively, you know, and made some shots, but Purdue could never really extend that lead when it needed to against Florida State uh, for, for a variety of reasons where they would have, I think, back-to-back back bad possessions where they ended up with turnovers, and that, that brought Florida State back in the game. Tonight, completely different story. They kind of got out to the lead. They extended it, uh, didn't have those bad possessions uh, that led to runouts for Virginia. Um, and, you know, and Virginia's not the same team. I mean, they lost three guys to the NBA. Uh, they don't have the skill that they had last year, especially on the perimeter. Uh, they're big guys. Uh, number 25, who got booed mercifully tonight, and he should have because he's the guy that hit the game-tying shot. I can't pronounce his name where I would. Uh, but he got booed mercifully tonight, and you knew that was going to happen. Uh, but, I mean, he, he was playing more of a perimeter game tonight. Uh, you know, with his size, he probably needs to play inside a little bit. But, you know, Virginia's not, you know, they're not the Virginia of last year. This is a team that, in some ways, similar Purdue needs to find itself a little bit against uh, really good competition. But, you know, Purdue was the aggressor tonight. They got Virginia back on its heels, and they, they just could not recover. Uh, they seemed to settle for outside shots, perimeter shots, and they had some open looks, as most teams do, and they didn't go in. And I think they were 4 of 24 from three-point line, and Purdue was 13 of 25. Purdue wins by 29, difference of 27 points right there. Uh, in or difference of I don't know if it's 27. I'm not a math guy, but well, I, I kind of am. But anyway, the difference is nine three pointers, is what you're looking at there. And um, but you know their their shots didn't go in, and Purdue did. And as you know, uh, things look a lot better. And Painter said it after the game, and you got to agree with him. Things look really good when the ball goes in the basket, and. Purdue fed off that tonight. They fed off the the early three-pointers, and they just continued to to build and build and build, and playing at home helped. Uh, But, you know, this is a win that uh, people around the country will take notice of. Uh, They'll remember this win. Uh, They'll remember the fact that Purdue won by 29. Uh, As you get a little bit deeper in the season, and then when you get to NCAA selection time, this will be one that should be highlighted uh, in, in Purdue's favor, assuming uh, they can take care of business the rest of the month of December, then into the rest of the Big Ten season. Uh, this will be this will be a game that's looked at, assuming also that Virginia goes on and uh, starts to win some games. And they're in a tough league with the ACC, and they're they're preseason fourth in this league in their own league. So. Uh, they have some work to do, and they're not going to be the Virginia of last year. Uh, Purdue's going to need them to win some games to help, kind of help themselves a little bit to get those uh, quad one uh, victories. But you know, you can only control yourself and you know what you do. And you know, I, I, 
this should be a step forward for this team uh, as it as it as it maneuvers its way through the season. Uh, you know, you say should because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. But you know, I, I think this team has been through enough uh, in the first uh, month or so of the season. You're, you were talking, you know, tonight was game eight, so the first seven games of the season, they've been through a lot where they have been challenged. Uh, you know, in the VCU game, they delivered, but the other ones they did not. And so they've been through enough situations that they, you know, I think they're starting to learn. And you got to, you do have to credit Painter for willing to 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 bench not bench but willing to bring and first team preseason player first team all big 10 season player off the bench and no joe eastern um i I don't know how many let's go back and look at the preseason list uh this year that you know no joe was one of those 10 and how many of those other guys are coming off the bench right now? Uh, I'd probably say none. Uh, now, is this going to stay the same lineup? I would say no. Uh, it might be the same lineup on, on Sunday when they play Northwestern, but it might not be the lineup when they play Nebraska or when they play Butler uh, or they play Ohio. Uh, I, I think, you know, as... as, as Painter explained afterwards they just needed to get some more shooters on the floor early in the game and that helped with Stefanovic and you still had Eric Hunter out there and then Jihad Proctor then you're going with the bigs now by playing the bigs it looks good on offense but you know tonight it worked because of the matchup uh, you know there's there's going to be teams where that's not going to that's not going to work where you're going to play the two bigs for the the, the, the extended minutes that they played uh, tonight. Uh, but, you know, I do think you have to credit Painter for to be willing to make that change right now in December, in early December, when you got a lot of season left, where I think some coaches might have let it play out a little bit more uh, to see if Wheeler got going or no gel finally got going. Um, but, you know, I think he, by doing that, I think he's sending a, a message that tonight's game was extremely important for Purdue to win. And, and the best chance to win was to put the lineup out there at the beginning that, that he did. And then you saw in the first half, they, they rotated a lot of guys through. Evan Boudreaux came in, Isaiah... Uh, uh, Thompson came in. Uh, they, they they used a lot of guys in the first half, and then went with the basics in the in the second half uh, because they could. They had they had such a, a big lead and a comfortable lead that they could do that. But uh, you know, I think as you as they get through the rest of this season, you're going to see some different some different lineups. Um, just because uh, you know the matchups are going to you know the matchups are probably going to dictate especially when playing the two bigs together. And it will be interesting to chart uh, the production uh, of not only Harms and Williams when they're both on the floor, but the production of the team as well. Uh, and, from, you know, from Travion's standpoint, you know, yes, he's a monster on the boards. But if you remember uh, in the first half, you know, I, I don't know specifically what 
uh, point it was, it was probably uh, after the halfway point where Purdue had missed a shot. And there were three guys around him, three Virginia guys around him. And he went up and got the ball and secured it. I, I can't remember if he was fouled or, you know, what happened after that. But there, there, are, there are three guys, three Virginia players around him. And he goes up and gets the ball. I mean, that's that's want to. That's a step in his. I mean, he's been a, he's been a good rebounder since he's since he came on campus. Uh, there's no question about that. But I, mean, I, I think that you know that that's another sign tonight of what kind of what we saw from this team and the energy that it had that they were willing to to go up and make that kind of play. Uh, and I, I think that's a positive, but it will be interesting to, to chart now, you know, because this was a question in the preseason with uh, with Matt was, you know, do you play the bigs together? How often do you play the bigs together? Um, and can it work? And, you know, Matt was always like, well, we'll, we'll just see. Uh, we'll see what, you know, what what do you gain on one end, but maybe lose on the other end by doing that? You know, Travion's got to be able to guard a four. Uh, but, you know, the, it, it worked tonight. And I think it worked in part because of what Purdue did from the perimeter from an offensive standpoint where they got off to that good start. They were able to soften up that Virginia defense. And they, they had control of that. And that's something they couldn't do consistently enough down in Florida. They couldn't uh, get enough production from the perimeter because uh, I think they only hit nine three-pointers in two games, and they had 13 tonight. They, they just could not get enough. Uh, and you, you do get three-point happy when you start hitting them. You know, I think that happened against Jacksonville State, or Chicago State it was earlier in the year, where they I think they attempted like 33 three-pointers. Uh, there was no need for that, but they did it anyway. Uh, but, you know, still, the, the I, you know, I think eventually the bread and butter for this team is going to be able to you need to go inside and get some easy buckets once in a while and you just can't sit back and jack threes up all day because they're not going to go in every day it just it just doesn't happen it is you know the best team shoot around 40 percent i think hit three pointers that's hitting four of ten you're so you're missing six uh on average uh and so and that's why you know the um it's why those numbers are the way they are uh, but you know it was a good it was it was a good performance uh, kind of a, a much needed performance from Purdue um, as, as they get in the big Ten play because you know now you got a little bit more confidence uh, and you know to be honest you're playing uh, you're playing one of the uh, you're not playing one of the best teams in the league on Sunday and then you're gonna go to Nebraska and they're not one of the best teams in the league so you got a chance. Uh, these next two games, and they're both Big Ten games. You got a chance these next two games to really, you know, build on what they did tonight, but also get off to a really good start in the Big Ten and get to two, you know, get two wins under your belt uh, before you get back in the Big Ten play uh, coming up in January. You know, because you're going to finish that non-conference schedule um, after um, after you play these two Big Ten games. Where uh, they've got uh, they got to go to Ohio, and then you know you got Butler and the Crossroads Classic, and then 
uh, you've got uh, Central Michigan at home before you you're back in the Big Ten play. Uh, so you know, not right now, you know, is an opportunity to kind of seize the moment and continue to to build on what happened tonight and see if you know what lineups are going to work for you because uh, um, you know that's going to be big. You know, I think you're going to see some changes in the lineup. You're going to see uh, some different uh, combinations as you move forward through the season and you know it's going to keep this season uh you know uh, uh interesting in a lot of a lot of different ways but you know i i you know i think there's still a role for no joe eastern there's still a role for aaron wheeler um and you know and i and i think they'll get that figured out I, you know i when wheeler hit his three-pointer i thought okay he, he need that that's a nice confidence booster for him but you know, it didn't continue, and he didn't get the minutes that he's been getting in the first uh, seven games. You know, and Eastern is still, uh, you know, he's 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 still going to be a tough defender. He's going to be he's going to be um, a guy that, uh, you know, in in some respects, you're making your bench. You have the potential to make your bench a little bit stronger than what it was, because Eastern's kind of a known commodity. You know, obviously, is defensively, and he needs still a, still needs some work offensively. And Wheeler, you know, is a guy that came off the bench last year and, and performed well in the limited minutes. Now they're going to need more minutes out of him this year than they did last year. But you know, this could, in 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 a strange way, uh, help their bench uh, maybe be more productive uh, down the line. And you're going to need all these guys because you know. Sasha's not going to hit six three-pointers every game. Uh, Eric Hunter's going to go through a dry spell. Um, so you're going to, you know, and Proctor's going to have issues just because everybody does during a long season. Uh, so you're going to need, you're still going to need Eastern and, and Wheeler to to produce and make some plays for you uh, down the stretch. But all in all, uh, uh, a good win for Purdue. You know, I, I got to think if they get uh, if they get a win on Sunday against Northwestern, they'll probably climb back into the top 25 in the AP poll and also the uh, coaches poll. Uh, although rankings don't really matter, uh, and they they really don't. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think from a recognition standpoint, and you know, getting getting your getting your program you know back kind of in the national picture a little bit. Uh, can help. So, I, you know, I think a win Sunday probably moves them back into the top 25. They're already kind of receiving votes. And, you know, and this this is an opportunity now to kind of build on this, uh, you know, get through Sunday, get through finals, and then um, kind of close out the month of December in a, in a positive way that uh, then you start start really uh, honing in on the Big Ten and where where Purdue might stack up in the Big Ten. Uh, as you get into January, and that that will be interesting because we you know we've seen a lot of you know Michigan State's had its struggles right now. Still extremely talented. They're playing a very difficult schedule. They always do it. You, so you, you really have to take a closer look at you know who they're losing to and how they're losing. Uh, Maryland seems to be really on the upswing. Uh, you know they may. They may be considered the favorite to win the Big Ten when, as as we get going in this thing, but you know Ohio State had a big win tonight at North Carolina, uh, so that's going to open a lot of eyes. Uh, so the league is still going to be extremely difficult, I think. And you know I think Purdue 
even though you know they, they, they won by 29 tonight, they're probably not in the upper part of the league right now. Uh, doesn't mean they can't beat those teams. It's just, you know, I don't I don't see them. When you look at Ohio State, you look at Maryland, you look at, uh, you know, even Michigan State uh, right now, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, Purdue's probably just a notch below them uh, when you start just sizing up the rosters and, and all that kind of stuff. But again, it doesn't it doesn't mean they can't uh, compete with those teams and beat those teams. Uh, but it's going to be, you know, that's going to be a you know kind of a tough chore as they get into January and February. But if if things are settled from a lineup perspective and you're getting your rotations down, I think you know Purdue's going to have a pretty good shot to to, to stay in things and. Uh, should be able to build on this win as they as they get through uh, the rest of the month. Well, we appreciate you checking in, and uh, again, we'll come back Sunday night after uh, after the Big Ten opener against Northwestern and kind of recap that game and kind of look ahead to the the rest of the month. On a football note, as you know, if you don't know already, David Bell, freshman of the year, uh, coming off Rondell Moore winning last year's freshman of the year. So, you know, that's that's good news for the for the program. Bryson Hopkins, the tight end of the year in the Big Ten. Uh, so, I, you know, I thought Bryson had a really great year. And, you know, I, I think utilizing the, the tight end more is, a, I think, a, a big step in Jeff Brom's program. But, you know, you, you have to kind of look at this a different way, too. You know, if Rondell doesn't get hurt, you know, Hopkins probably doesn't have the production that he has. And David Bell doesn't have the production that he has. You know, a lot of those balls are going to go to Rondell at that point. So it'll be interesting, you know, next year in 2020, how how the passes, how the passing game is distributed. Uh, but, you know, Purdue's got two freshmen of the year in the Big Ten that'll be playing next year. You know, it's interesting. Purdue's had a freshman lead them in receiving in three straight years. Jackson Anthrop did it uh, three years ago, or in Brom's first year, Rondell did it. Uh, in 2018, and then David Bell uh, did it uh, 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 this year. Uh, so I, I, I would, I don't think a freshman will lead them in receiving next year. How about that? How's that for a uh, a hot take for for 2020? And then one other note uh, coming up Friday, the uh, board of trustees will uh, approve a name uh, for the Ross Aid Stadium field. Uh, that will that will take place Friday at the board meeting, uh, and um, it'll be a, a significant financial gift, uh, probably uh, over ten million bucks. That's going to be uh, uh, part of this, and um, will help with the Ross Aid uh, project renovation project that will be getting underway at some point. You know, once they have enough money raised, it's all going to be privately funded. They're not going to bond any money out. Uh, they, they're they're kind of bonded out uh, from a, from a debt service standpoint. So the, this whole thing has to be privately funded. And you know, I think they're moving moving uh, they're moving in a good direction and getting enough uh, cash or getting enough gifts that you know, hopefully, you know, they they can get things going. Uh, from that standpoint and, you know, zero in on what the actual plan will be and what it, what it's going to look like. But, 
uh, Friday will be a step in that direction where they'll be getting a significant gift uh, to put the name uh, on the field. Uh, so, you know, some uh, just a couple things uh, to kind of look forward to. Football banquet is Sunday as well. They don't do MVPs and that kind of stuff. They wait till the spring to do that. Um, and that's kind of been what the Brahms uh, have done. But they've also been in a bowl game in December where you're still playing. You're still kind of sorting some of those things out. Uh, I don't know if we'll have an opportunity to talk to, to Jeff on Sunday or not. That hasn't been determined. Uh, but football banquet is Sunday. And then uh, they're in the finals week. And then they'll, they'll probably all scatter uh, during during the end of December and then come back in January ready to hit the offseason circuit. And then signing day coming up uh, in the middle of December. I think December 18th is the, the first day of signing where we're going to see how these numbers work with the football program. Uh, we're going to see how they have very little going out and a lot coming in. And how many junior college guys get signed, how many graduate transfers uh, get signed. Um, so uh, the whole numbers thing, I'll leave that to them to figure it out. And whatever they, they hand out and they tell us, you kind of have to go with because they, they know their number situation better than anybody uh, and, and what they can do, what they can bring in. But it's no secret they're looking at grad transfers on the offensive line, the defensive line. They're looking for junior college help, uh, linebacker, defensive backs, uh, and some other spots. And, you know, I I do think they're looking at uh, some uh, some quarterbacks, maybe in the grad the grad transfer market. Uh, to come in and compete for this position. Now, grad transfers usually don't come in and compete. They they come in knowing they're going to have the job. So that might be a, a hard sell uh, for someone. But, um, you know, I think I think Jeff Brown wants to be in that, that market when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, he probably wants a guy with a little bit more experience um, instead of having to, to build with a guy. They, you know, I think Jack Plummer uh, has a bright future, Aiden O'Connell. Obviously, you know, did some really good things the last month filling in. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, when you start thinking about uh, trying to compete for a championship at the Big Ten West or just the Big Ten in general, a little bit more experience uh, won't hurt. But they've got to get the offensive line short up, number one. They've got to get more on the defensive line. Uh, and then you've got to get some linebackers in here. Uh, I think those are the three priorities uh, I'd put. Ooh, it's tough to rank them because, you know, offensive line is, is a big need, but so is linebacker. Uh, defensive line, your 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 ends are fine with uh, George Karloftis and Derek Barnes. You know, you might, you know, there's a chance you might, uh, you might get Lorenzo Neal back. Um, so, you know, maybe the defensive line may take care of itself with some, some people that are already on the roster, but you need, you need some linebackers as well. You need to really, shore up that that position group to really to really have a chance to to improve this team improve this roster and put it in a position to to challenge for the Big Ten West and that's that's what you want and you'd be going into year four under Jeff Brom um you know I think at some point they will be a serious contender for the Big Ten West you know this year the injuries kind of took some of that away uh it's not the it's not the full reason they were four and eight but, you know, I think next year, uh, assuming health stays good, that they'll have a chance to 
I think stay in that in that conversation a little bit longer because they'll have the playmakers on offense and assuming they fill some holes on the offensive line, that part will be taken care of. And then defensively, you know, they've got to they've got to shore up some things and they've got to figure out what kind of system they're going to run uh, on defense. From a are they going to play soft in the secondary? They're going to play tight in the secondary. You know, they still need a pass rush. Uh, so there's a lot of moving parts uh, to that. Well, got off on another tangent. I didn't think I'd get off on, but that's what happens when you uh, when we do these podcasts. Anyway, appreciate you checking in. Have a good day, and then uh, we'll be back over the weekend uh, recapping uh, what happened Sunday uh, with uh, Purdue basketball. Again, thanks for for checking in, and uh, we'll talk we'll talk later.